0: Welcome to America Could We Talk, one of our very special Thursday shows. I'm Debbie Georgiadis. Love our Thursday shows because we have really a time to have a little more in-depth conversation with one person, talk a whole lot about issues facing America, and we also have an in-studio audience. I'm grateful to my friends and people who listen to the show. Yeah, thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Love having them in studio. It's just, just, a, just a wonderful time for all of us but it's a very serious time in America. And our guest today is Congressman Louie Gohmert. He has joined us in the show numerous times in the past, and I've introduced him many times in different ways. And I want to just say a few words about him and why I want to have him today. We are now, this is basically summer's over. We're in the kickoff to the fall elections, November 2022. And I hear more people saying things essentially like, you know, America is lost, America's over, we're, we're done. We can't get America back. People look at the just chaos that seems to be ruling in America, the collapse of the rule of laws we've talked about many times, the January 6th incident, the follow-up from that. So many things make people worried, not just that we happen to have an election cycle that didn't go the way that conservatives would have wanted, but that there are much deeper problems in America, in our government, in in our culture, in our society, where we seem to be losing the fabric of America. I'll also mention that many people point out that Basically republics, the history of the grand history of republics, uh, they tend to last about 250 years. And then for whatever reasons uh, there are, and there are different ones for different countries, different um, yeah, different countries or areas, uh, they just can't sustain themselves. And so here in America, we are coming up July 4th, 2026 will be 250 years where America has been America. As I tell you, the entire reason I do this show is to speak up and stand up for America. And many people talking about, you know, has America turned some corner, we can't get back. So if there ever was a person uh, I think is just very qualified to talk about where we stand in America as a country, what's happened to our government, what's happened to our rule of law, what's happening to our society, it'd be Congressman Louis Gohmert. I'm gonna introduce Mm -hmm. him just a little bit more and then I'm going to play a clip that he put out on True Social, and then we're going to ask him a lot of serious questions. But by w- way a very, very quick introduction, uh, Louie Glomer began serving in the United States Congress, representing, I always think it's kind of symbolic, Congressional District 1, like as in number 1 uh, in Texas, uh, CD 1, he began serving in Congress in 2005. He is wrapping up his time in Congress at the end of this session. But prior to that, he has served as a judge. He is, he is a, a military guy, he's a veteran, and he has been in Washington, D.C., one of the most reliable voices, speaking up unswayed by popularity, what you're supposed to say, what the trendy thought is, or even what your own party is claiming the party line is. This is a man dedicated to law, to truth, and to speaking up for America in ways that very, very few others are. So first, I want to welcome to the show Congressman Louis Gohmert.
1: Thank you, Debbie.
0: Every serious conservative in Texas loves this guy, loves this guy. And among the many reasons are when issues come along, and you can ask him, what's the straight scoop? You will always get it. You will always get it. He speaks up even on issues where uh, maybe some of his colleagues aren't right with him. But he had a little uh, posting on Truth Social. It was actually an excerpt of an interview he did with Epoch Times. I'm going to ask our wonderful producer. Yeah, there he is, our producer. Yeah, he wants you to clap for him, too. Yeah, (laughs) our producer. (laughs) Play the short clip of Congressman Gomert and then we'll turn talking to him. If you can play
1: that, please. Before he got elected, they did it for four years. After he was elected, they were involved in the biggest coup attempt uh, in in American history. You know that no republic lasts much more than 200 years. Most of them never last 200 years. We are a real anomaly, and the. One of the ways that they end their time as a republic is when you have people that are destroying the country in leadership positions. That's what brought an end to the Roman Republic. They actually were a republic. They elected representatives. And uh, the military, led by Caesar, crossed the Rubicon River that was illegal to do because there was a total absence of leadership among the civilian. And uh, so we're going to have to have Republican leadership really step up uh, to try to rein in the damage that's been done by the Democrat leadership. Uh, We're too close to the end of this nation as a constitutional republic unless we can hold to account the people that have brought us so close to the edge of losing our republic.
0: That is Congressman Louie Gomer. So, sir, I want to, yeah.
1: Well, Debbie, thank you for having somebody that looks and sounds like that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we are so you're very glad. Kind.
0: You're, yeah, we love to have you here. And I do want to have a very serious discussion. I have a bunch of issues. I you know can always run through issues. But in the bigger picture about America, the bigger picture where we are as a country, what made you say those things? What things have the Democrats done that simply must be exposed and, for which they must be held culpable?
1: Well, you know, going back historically, this country was in serious trouble during the Civil War and during World War II when the, the outcome was not assured. But during neither of those times was this country so um, overwhelmed with self and a refusal to acknowledge the God that blessed America. Uh, that was something that brought most Americans together. Uh, it's only recently that uh, we have a majority that don't ever attend church, if you believe some polling. But, uh, so this is different. We've we come... Huh, Unmoored from our our real bedrock that has held us in place, uh, where we continue to be a republic, but we continued to have the Constitution come to mean exactly what it said. Uh, so that's what scares me: is we no longer have that common foundation uh, that. Uh, As the Supreme Court said in the late 1800s, they surveyed about 100 years of of our history and came to the conclusion that uh, the United States is a Christian nation. Not meaning that everybody here was Christian, because that wasn't the case at all, but that it was guided by Judeo-Christian principles. And we've come apart from those. I was looking again last night. I know there's a verse there, I've been looking for it, that says and God created them male, female, and seventy nine other genders. But <laughs> but I haven't I haven't found that yet. I'm just finding the male and female. But uh, anyway, these are things that we have never come this far. Well. And and to have Americans saying Oh no, we think it's just fine to take a minor child and a female minor cut off breasts, and for male cut off his male appendages, and and say that is fine. When, you know, the reason that uh, minors are not allowed to legally enter contracts for the most part uh, is because they need adults, and yet we have adults in our schools. I heard one girl saying, uh, well, she's thought she was transgender because her teachers were telling them around middle school that uh, if you ever look in the mirror and don't really like what you see, you're transgender. That's the number one. Gee, I, I don't know anybody us, yeah. <laughs> in in junior high, middle school that ever looked in the mirror and was just, well, no, there was a couple in Mount Pleasant. But, but for the most part... <laughs> People looked in the mirror and were going, "Oh, I wish I was bigger, stronger, better looking, and all." Um, and actually, I was better looking. And I lost, <laughs> I lost my hair, and then all the—that was God's way of taking away vanity. But, uh, but those are are really serious issues. As you do to the least of these, my children, you're done to me. You, you, you're going to mutilate. This precious child's body before they even know they that taking advice from teachers that can't teach math, but they can teach you that you're transgender, excuse me?
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, to your point when you began speaking. If you get untethered from the belief uh, of a universal truth, not just my truth, your truth, his truth, but a universal truth about the nature of life, of man, what, what, what the source of life is, then anything goes. It is why the transgender movement has been able to be successful in schools because too many kids don't have that rooting and teachers and parents that are rooting in god-given identity god-given uh, you know freedom and an identity that gives you a, a life to live and and so you're lost and you're pushed around by right. the latest trendy thought it is the the loss of tethering to truth and to your deeper point, the one that I'm going to, I'm actually giving another speech tonight where I'm going to be talking about this. The idea of America didn't come. It wasn't just a bunch of people sitting around saying, what would be a good idea for a country? Mm-hmm. It was rooted in the scriptural concept of God-given freedom mm-hmm. and that this country, the purpose of our country is to protect that, that God-given unique and, uh, and g- identity and freedom for each person. Mm-hmm. And the concept of setting up the relationship of man and God and government to mean, you know, man and God, government's there to make sure that they protect you. That was a beautiful concept. It was primary to what created America's greatness and stability and strength and prosperity. But
1: you've got to know accurate history. And social media is spreading stuff that's just not true. Uh, America didn't really start in 1619. It it came, well, like the pilgrims. They were fleeing persecution for being Christians. It had nothing to do with slavery. And as my friend Dinesh D'Souza pointed out, there was slavery before anybody from Europe ever came over. Indian tribes would capture others and could make them their slaves. And, and in fact, uh, it, it's tragic, but just in the last few years, we topped having more slaves in the world, over 40 million than ever in the history of the world. So it still goes on and it is a dangerous concept, but what's more dangerous is to lie. And and of course Orwell and I had to go back and, and reread 1982 and as I've said
0: 1984.
1: before 1984 1984 yeah <laughs> yeah 82 was when Reagan started turning things around but yes, it was. I, yeah 1984 I did reread it and I'd forgotten so much but you know Orwell was writing that in the late 18 1940s And he was suffering from cancer, and he was going to die. And some people think that his idea of torture came from some of the treatments he'd had. But Orwell said, in order to uh, turn a country toward totalitarianism, you got to first reteach their history. And that's what's going on. you know, sometimes some of us say, don't be removing statues. and say, Oh, so you like this slave owner. It's about history. And one of the great things about America, as we have moved toward greater and greater things until more recently, was that we could recognize the good and the bad, but that overall the intentions were good. And the thing that made the Constitution and the Declaration so remarkable you did have slave owners involved in those things and if you read them especially if you read the first draft of the declaration this is something that had never happened in history founders were critical of themselves and where the country was and what they were doing and they set a goal that all people would be treated equally and you know we were endowed by our creator or What Biden says about what you know, we all know the thing. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, that's very good. (laughs) Not not all of us know the thing, but uh, it. it, it, uh, They had great goals, and we have moved toward those again until recently. And uh, Biden here this week has been talking about you know. Republicans and Trump supporters are a threat to democracy. Mm -hmm. No, a threat to democracy is when you take power that even Pelosi says you don't have, and you become a dictator and sign them and use your Department of Justice, Intel, DOD, to go after anybody that says you need to follow the law and the Constitution. That's the threat to democracy and to our country.
0: We ta- were talking about lie. You're people lying a minute ago, and you know, the whole concept of the ability of the Biden administration, or Biden himself, to make speeches, the one you're alluding to, and talk about how it is the Republicans who are the fascists, the, Ma- the MAGA people are the ones who are dangerous, it is the... That concept of projection, everything they're doing, he's accusing exactly. Republicans it's of what they're good and, at. And honestly, the idea, the media sits there and taking notes and play, recording him and putting it out. And no one's saying, what in the world are you talking about, Joe Biden? What are you even talking about? I want to jump into We have so many directions to go and so little time. We've had this conversation in the past. I grew up in New York. I can speak quickly. I cannot <laughs> say that
1: always for you. No. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll try to go No, I'm, I have I'm to I'm get sucked up to talk faster. It's really exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Well,
0: but on a very serious note about where America is, it is certainly true your first point brilliant and important. It isn't just that laws that have been passed by Congress or policies, it's a cultural shift that's happened in America, the loss of tethering to faith and therefore to sense of truth. That's vital to understand, to, to bring America back on track, to America to be uh, the land that uh, was a land of promise and opportunity for so many yeah. people. But there's also the concept of the rule of law, this idea that is embedded in, the, in the, both the Declaration the Constitution, the idea that the rule of law, meaning law is the same for everybody, they're equally applied, there's, there, there's blind justice, which is one of the hallmarks we used to say made America special. We look at other countries, we see a new regime comes in and then they attack their former political opponents. Now, and you thought that could never happen in America, but it's exactly what's happening so what's in America. Happening now. Yeah, so I want to turn and talk about that. About what's happening to the January 6 prisoners and the the, the whole January 6th Inquisition Committee? Mm. I mean, is it I, I mean, I assume you would agree that the January 6 uh, prosecutions seem out of they seem targeted at the enemies of the, um, they're overcharging, they're over prosecuting. It is just a, a mm. massive injustice being done to the people. And yeah. I'd love to have you talk about that.
1: Well, and I've got a couple of stories here, but um, you, you had a guy sentenced in the past week uh, and he got, I believe, 46 months and the federal judge that sentenced him, uh, he didn't go into the Capitol, but he swung a flag at a police officer. And, uh, you know, you just can't do that. But uh, she said, the judge said, uh, that he and the other insurrectionists, well, I would tell that guy's lawyer, appeal the sentence. He pled guilty. He went through all the allocution and whatnot, but but appeal that sentence because you've got a judge Who is biased and has considered things that not only are outside the record she's allowed to consider, but that are just wrong. No one's been charged. We looked again in the last couple of days. Nobody has been charged with insurrection. Nobody's been convicted of insurrection. And for her to say he was an insurrectionist says she. Is looking at evidence that's false, that's not part of the record, and they need a new judge to sentence that guy. She's not considering what do who you plead he plead really to. What do he plead to? Uh,
0: if you happen to know.
1: Yeah, it. It. I think there were some misdemeanors, but uh, assaulting a police a Basically, saw officer. Basically, assault with a flag was yeah. it.
0: Forty-six months.
1: Yeah, and like you know, at the same time that that's going on. You have judges all over Washington, D.C. that are saying, well, all he did was murder one person, or all they did was rob this many people, so uh, no bonds required, let them out of jail. And for these people, and, and Garland made it very clear, he was out to set an example and to intimidate Trump supporters and conservatives, and so, really i think right now for republicans and conservatives because they're not always the same uh, that's for sure (laughs) i really believe this the doj the intel community the dod that was also involved in trying to take trump out they were paying the professor in london that tried to set up that that scenario to get a warrant they're all paying to try to keep the Democrats in power and move us toward totalitarian government. Um, Well, for the most part, now that they're confused about pronouns, it's not helpful to to the uh, military. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. But uh, yeah, they say if they can get their pronouns right, it will increase military lethality. But anyway. Oh, for
0: uh, crying out loud. But but
1: you have, I really believe that these liberal controlled DOJ, intel community, DOD, they want conservatives to get fed up and do something else violent. And we cannot allow that. They're looking for that, and if they can get anybody to do something seriously uh, violent, then they will start arresting all of us who use our words to fight as in whether in court or in Congress, but they'll start arresting people saying, you were inciting violence. No, I've been preaching that we must follow what Dr. King found in Scripture as an ordained Christian minister and studying Gandhi. You know, the weather underground, all those people, the, the, the violence they had in the late 60s and 70s didn't do any good. No, they ended up becoming tenured professors and teaching the teachers but they found out violence is not the way to fix something like this. Violence will allow the liberals to put people in jail that disagree with them. And that we cannot let that happen.
0: I'm we'll quickly jump in for our radio listeners. You're going to go off to break at the bottom of the 30 minutes after the hour of a three-minute break. Do not go away. We'll be right here talking to Congressman Louis Gomert. And so don't go away. And you can later, if you'd like to hear the whole interview, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. The whole interview will be up along with past shows, past interviews. You can do it but we'll miss you for three minutes at the bottom of the hour. So um, Congressman Gohmert, we're talking about here the rule of law. I do want to jump into the January 6th cases a little more. I love that. It's a really great specific point about one judge using the term insurrectionist because that became the language literally the day of January 6th. There were three or four prominent Americans One being George W. Bush, who used the term insurrection to refer to what happened in Washington that day when it was a protest, and it was a protest. People very upset. Or as a great line Dinesh D'Souza had in his 2,000 Mules, it was the primal scream of America, saying this election was stolen. But that has now become a uh, political—it's a weapon in the hands of the left, a political weapon. So now you have. Sentences like you just described. The one that I'm really concerned about is Dr. Simone Gold. a, I mean, a woman who's now a little over halfway through a 60-day prison sentence for literally walking in the Capitol while the door is being held open, standing there in the rotunda reading her speech, and leaving when they told her to. And she and, got 60 and days. And her
1: judge was very uh, improper and in the many lecture ways. she's got. Go Simone is as fine as there is. You know, she started American Frontline Doctors that would help people get therapeutic help for COVID. When Fauci was making a fortune selling stuff that wasn't working, was creating more problems than not. And so anyway, um, yeah, she's in jail down near Miami. And I'm hoping to get to go see her like we did the January 6th folks. I I'm hope trying you to can. I love her. Just, love her. Just to encourage her. Oh, she's wonderful. I, I'd gotten a call... From a closet conservative in Martha's Vineyard, uh, and I don't want to say too much to describe them because they are known. And anyway, he said, "Louis," and I started to say his wife's name. Um, we have had COVID for two weeks, and we can't get well. We've got we've had high fevers for two weeks, and we're really getting concerned for our lives. Yeah. And and no doctor here will preside. Uh, prescribe hydroxychloroquine and no pharmacy will fill it if they did. Do do you know anyway? We're getting desperate because we're we're really in trouble here. And I said I know the person to call. I called Simone and she got a doctor that could license to practice and and got the pharmacy filled. The prescription and I said look let me warn you though hydroxychloroquine has been found to be more effective If it's taken very early, I mean, I started taking as soon as I was tested positive, but I had no symptoms. But, you know, you had this two weeks. I don't know if it's going to help. Three days later, he calls. He said, it did the trick. Fevers are gone. We're doing great. We're back to normal. But that was Simone Gold, her big heart, in addition to her brilliant brain, that uh, made that happen.
0: Yep. She, and she's and done
1: that all over the country. For she people. has.
0: She has. But this concept, I want to talk about how we're going to try to fix things in America. I, your first point about the culture and the loss of connection of tethering to truth is one. Another is, and they're all connected, but this rule of law issue, the problem in Washington isn't just that the FBI is over, or is the DOJ is overcharging, the FBI is being too aggressive in investigating. They broke down Simone Gold's door. Where they, I mean, stormed her 15 people with rifles, broke down her door for She's what I just described. She's never done
1: anything violent. I, was talk- I had an FBI agent call me last week. I've had a number of FBI agents uh, you know, report um, you know corruption in the FBI and, and not just in the headquarters in Washington. But um, he was saying that what you remember back when you were practicing law, when you were a judge... Uh, if someone had not been engaged in violence, we would call their lawyer and say, this person needs to report at such and such in the morning. And everybody knew if they didn't show up, they would go get them. Right. But they would show up, they would report. That was the days before Mueller, Comey, and Ray. Uh, Ray said in 2005, basically he wanted to be a musketeer with Mueller and Comey yep. and I, I told President Trump after he appointed him you know you've asked me about some people but I wish you'd ask me about Christopher Ray because uh-huh. let me tell you you're not safe as long as he's head of the FBI and it turns out not just him it's Americans conservatives people believe in the constitution are not safe as long as Christopher Ray is FBI director that's my opinion
0: Couldn't agree more. So political opponents of this administration are not safe under the FBI. And you have, I think the number was there have been at least 14 FBI whistleblowers as contrasted with 35,000 FBI officials, So uh, agents. So there's a tiny percentage actually becoming whistleblowers. But suppose we do. I mean, because to me, what it spells out is the FBI is rotten to the core. Not that every person who's an FBI official is, but at the top, there's no longer sent the dedication to the rule of law, the equal application of justice. It's a political organization and targeting enemies. And honest FBI
1: agents are being persecuted.
0: Oh, I, I was reading some of this. Yeah. yeah. So so what do you do about that? So so say, okay, we finally get, assume conservatives get the White House, we get the the Congress Well, we the won't Senate. have the
1: presidency, so the thing we're going to have to do first is uh, and I've talked with Jim Jordan about it we have got to hold people accountable. We have got to drag them before that committee and five the minutes House the committee. House Judiciary Committee that's who has uh, oversight over uh, the DOJ and uh, part of the FBI some other but we got to call them in and make them accountable and then refer them for prosecution when that's appropriate. but let me give you an example. I had this story. Um, I'm sure y'all all all remember in 2016 when Democrats um, well the best term I can use is they obstructed an official session of Congress for 26 hours because they said we're not going to let you go into session until you agree to pass a bill that would restrict our Second Amendment rights and it had never happened in the country's history before that the minority party kept the majority from going into session. And unfortunately, we had a very, very weak, nice guy, but a very weak speaker who did nothing about it. And they stopped, his staff stopped me from going down. I was going to the well and, and wait, 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 He's speaker is going to call a uh, emergency meeting of the public conference. And so um, uh, please just agree not to, confront them until after that. So he did. He said he was going to take care of it. He didn't. And so I confronted him. But this story points out that Democrats concluded a historic sit-in on the floor of the House. They didn't just sit in. When we tried to go into session, women grabbed the microphones and saying you were trying to sexually assault them if you tried to get the microphone. And uh, Ryan could have had him drug out by the Capitol Police, but nothing was done. So and he says, not. no, we can't do that because they've got their cameras. They want to film, you know, being drug out. And they're broadcasting. And said, yeah, well, all you got to do is order the Wi-Fi in the House chamber, cut off, and that ends their broadcasting from the House floor. He wouldn't even do that. But anyway, uh, they uh, had a 26-hour obstruction of an official session of Congress. Uh, the tactics, this says, um, employed by the Democrats set a very dangerous precedent for the legislative process. It showed Democrats' willingness to push the boundaries after years of political deadlock that's brought Washington into widespread dispute. And uh, anyway course this goes on talks about some yay who named louis Gomert uh, <laughs> <laughs> that stormed down to the well of the house and said yelled radical islam kill these in i said these innocent victims because they were saying it was guns it was gun no it was a radical islamist and then a democrat from new jersey screamed at me so you're a racist <laughs> and i went he said himself he was a radical Islamist. He was doing it for Allah, and he said, "So you're a racist." And I said, "He left a voicemail, his voice saying he was doing it for radical Islam and for Allah." He said, "So you're a racist." How do you debate somebody like you that? Can't. You, you can't. You
0: can't. He, yeah. Not yeah. intelligent enough to. Now Corrine
1: Brown came up then and got in my face and yelled. That's a lie cause it happened in my district. And I went How do you debate people like that? You, you know? You but but anyway, y'all remember they arrested all those democrats and they all got 46 months in jail, right? Oh
0: wait. No, or maybe they didn't, they
1: didn't know. Maybe
0: nothing happened to them.
1: Maybe nothing happened to them. And so
0: this leads me to my question. I want to ask you very seriously. Is the, I love your idea of calling some FBI officials before the House Judiciary Committee, assuming Republicans win, which the next thing we're going to get to is election fraud and election integrity. But can the FBI be salvaged? I mean, do we, I do hear people saying, if you have, wait till 2024. You have a Republican president, House and Senate. Can you, do we need to dissolve the FBI and start over?
1: I think between Mueller, Comey, and Ray, they have done so much damage. Um, We can't leave the country without a federal law enforcement arm, but I would would think it would be a good idea to create some other federal law enforcement arm and then start having, (laughs) a commission, analyze the FBI, get rid of all the political hackers that are Which is using it. the
0: whole it. top echelon, right?
1: Yeah. and yeah, I, 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 I'm know, on this,
0: Congressman Gomer. We have to get that top echelon out because they will not follow the law. And
1: it's not just Democrats. You've got yes. Republicans that are a part of that hierarchy yep. that just, they're like the three monkeys. They don't see any evil. They don't hear any... I mean, I, I had meetings with Jeff Session with different people telling him where his problems were specifically, because people will talk to you if they know they can trust you and you're not going to out them. Uh, and he was such a fine guy, but he was so naive of what was going on around him. And so... Uh, Scott Perry and I made an appointment with his chief of staff Matt Whitaker I saw him on television again yesterday and I said Matt you've got people around you and around your boss the AG who are going to get him fired and they're, gonna, they're doing such harm to this DOJ and I mentioned, oh, you're misreading those people. They're really, vital. you know, that guy, yeah, he sticks his head in, kids around with him going, you don't get it. They are running laps around you guys. And I didn't foresee what was coming, but I, I said, you know, since your job as chief of staff is to protect your boss, when he goes under the bus, you're going to go under the bus too because you didn't die. I didn't foresee that it was in his best interest, as it turned out, to let his boss get thrown under the bus. And then he became acting yes, attorney general. Yeah. And so now I see him on TV all the time. And say, well, he was acting attorney general. Yay, yeah, let Sessions get just run over. I mean, I went in and told Sessions, uh, and I told him the name. I'm not going to say it here, but I said, uh, you are embarrassing yourself in National Security Council. I mean, he said, I'm not getting the notices. He said this person is holding on to your notices uh, until you don't have time to prepare like everybody else, or you have a conflict. So you either miss the meetings and you, or you look bad. And you look, if you don't want to fire this person, then do like uh, they used to threaten in the army. Uh, okay, you're headed to Outer talk to the little listening station we have at the end of the Lucian Island chain. <laughs> but um, anyway, they're, you know, that's what you do. You move them to a place maybe they won't like, and even if they stay, they at least won't be able to do as much harm. But they were doing so much harm, and the NSC, the National Security Council, had gotten up to over 400 people, never intended to be that big. So you had a... a an entity that was allowed to have all of the most classified documents and most of them hated Trump.
0: This is part of the problem we have. I mean, I, this is this is why I love having, I wish we had like a three-hour show today because there are so many things that you've, in your time in Washington because people do trust you. They trust you not to repeat things. They trust your judgment. They want to hear what you think about things. And so you've had just a wealth of knowledge to share. Plus, I had meant to mention introducing you that you really had become someone who helped Donald Trump during the time he was president because he knew he could trust you and you're his friend. And you would and you had a world of Connections and knowledge and history. He didn't. When he got to Washington, he didn't have the no. bench depth. He didn't have the people who knew and he him. He had
1: Republicans around him that brought in other Republicans that did not like him and would not help him.
0: Yes. Oh, they were not. They were running circles around him, and they were actually misleading him, like you were describing as occurring with Jeff Sessions. People just, just not, not only not helping him. They were, they were. Um, what's a good word, sabotaging him. They yep. they were not helping good him. Word. Okay, I want to ask you, so back to this FBI thing, and one more thing on that. Garland, uh, Attorney General Garland, had said recently, made some announcement about no one from the FBI can speak to anyone in Congress right. any That's further without his permission. And But this is to try to stop future whistleblowers. Exactly. So, so he has no authority to say Every
1: that. Every American has a constitutional right to talk directly to their member of Congress or their senator, and it is the only way That we can keep an out of control government under control. Uh, And and in fact, I I go back, if I can give an example of. Sure. um, I had some senior citizens from Tyler that were making a trip to Washington. And I said, Well, is there anything I could do for you while you're there? And they said, We've been talking. uh, You know Justice Scalia? And I said, Yes. And he said, could we meet him? Supreme Court's all busy. But anyway, I called over there. And anyway, his assistant called back and said, yeah. Let's, and so I, we worked out a time. And so I brought this, oh. this group into the Supreme Court. and They had a meeting room there. And they were all sitting there, probably 50, 60 of them. And there was a table at the front. And Scalia comes in. And I love this about the guy, you know, his candor. Uh, He walks up, leans back against the table and says, Okay, Louis said you wanted to talk to me. Here I am. What questions have you got? Well, you know, Supreme Court Justice just came in that they idolized. He said, Come on. I I came like you asked. Now, what questions you got? Here I am and so anyway they were kind of quiet he said come on come on i'm here what that's what you and so one of the men said uh would you say that we have the freest country in history because of our bill of rights i love this about the guy he said oh gosh no no uh no the the soviets had a better bill of rights than we and i'd forgotten i did a paper on that in college they and them and they did. They had all of these rights laid out in their, their Bill of Rights. They had a lot more rights, but they just didn't mm-hmm. recognize them. You know, they didn't and he said, No, the thing that made us the freest country is because the people did not trust government.
0: Oh, beautiful. And he said
1: so when they came together they said, Well, we kinda like this parliament system, but we don't want to just have one Legislative branch. We want to make it hard to pass a law. We don't want somebody to just sign a document and there, here's the law. So let's create a House of Representatives. And then let's have another. So even if they do finally agree enough that they pass some law, then there's another that's to agree on exactly the same wording. And we don't want them like the House of Lords where they really don't do anything. We want them to have power to kind of cool off legislation. And then that wasn't enough. They said, but we don't want a prime minister gets elected from them. We want that completely separate. So let's set up a whole separate system where the where the executive is elected and then they set up the electoral college system and they'll go, but you know, they still might do something stupid. They might get through all of that. Let's create the judiciary over here that will stop it. But unless people realize you can't trust government the way the founders did, then we're losing that. They're going, oh, sure, Biden wants to just sign executive order. Oh, Biden is just ignoring his oath. To protect the border, to, to protect the Constitution? Oh, well, you know, you know we're, he got elected. consequences has consequences when you violate your oath. It should. So anyway, I hope you don't mind that aside, but Scalia was right. People, the founders did not trust government. They had seen it at its worst, and they knew it would eventually get bad.
0: I love that story. I love Scalia. I love all so his books and quotes. Okay, I want to ask you, quickly turn to uh, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago, yeah. and, you know, much outrage still continuing to be expressed. You know, President Trump has certainly spoken up. So, was your, do you have any sense that, that was raid was justified by anything they actually thought Trump had done wrong?
1: They're saying he took oh, classified, you know, right. so he has all this... The, the, Sensitive uh, documents and uh, top secret, all this stuff. He did an order declassifying documents he took to mar lago This is the first, and he has authority to declassify documents. This is the first time in history that the intelligence community that has just been rogue for so long and the Department of Justice said, you know what, we're not going to recognize your declassification of those documents. Right. We're going to say they're still classified. And see, it has classified on it. If he's declassified, as we found with Hillary Clinton, if it, even if it didn't have classified on it, mm. if it was classified, that's what control. Well, he had declassified them, and they didn't care. And this FBI agent said, you remember, you know, we would call you. We, we, we would say, have your client do this or that or bring us that. Never would they go knock somebody's door down, drag them out of bed in their underwear, having notified CNN so they've got the cameras rolling as they're driving. That is Gestapo tactics at its worst.
0: It is, and that's so, why I'm
1: not sure. I, I'm, I really am not sure the FBI is salvageable. Uh, I think we're going to have to, in the next administration, create another body and start moving qualified people over.
0: Create a new body that will fulfill the legitimate role. The until you can, can you then you can reduce. And of course, eliminate- in this
1: Inflation Reduction Act, they gave uh, exemptions. Uh, to the IRS and Department of Education, that they can carry guns uh, without any prohibition. So
0: alarming. I mean, so alarming. The IRS, eighty-nine thousand new agents and armed. What could go wrong? Uh, I do. You know, we have, we allow questions in this show, and I do have a question. Someone had um, texted me, wanted me to ask. Before I get to that, I know everyone here and probably most people listening. So they want to know, what are you going to do next? You're you're going to wrap up your time in Congress in January. <laughs> And um, you, are, you are the Conservatives' favorite guy in Congress. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, have,
1: what are your plans? Um, I'm really curious about that, too. Um, <laughs> I, I really am. Uh, and my wife says, well, you're not just going to hang around the house all day. And, and actually, Debbie, I couldn't do that. I mean, this country really is hanging in the balance of whether we get to continue as a free country or not. Uh, and so, you know, I was going to try to save Texas from some of the trouble that I see coming. Uh, it didn't work out. Um, so, one of my best friends is a guy named James Golden. Uh, oh. You may know him as Bo Snurdly, uh, oh, Russ Limbaugh's producer. And uh, I love that guy. but. Anyway, we talk often. In fact, we just talked this morning. But um, he was saying, Louie, you need to have a radio show. You got to have a radio show. And so, and he said, and and maybe podcast. But um, I don't know. I've really been fortunate. Sean Hannity has let me uh, host his radio show. Um you know a couple of times a year. You can't, be with, Fox, years. You can't no. be with Fox. Oh, Fox let me on Fox business yesterday, first time in a long, long time. Um, you know, I think Paul Ryan being a member of the small board may be afraid I say something, but um, <laughs> but uh, anyway that you know, and there are people that have been in Congress that are now lobbyists that have said, hey, Sure like to talk to you if you were interested, but I can't go be a lobbyist. I can't, I know the money's big, but I've never been about money. I don't, I I can't do that. We've got to fight, so maybe that would be one outlet. But no, Fox is not gonna be hiring me as a contributor anymore. Well, Three years ago, they, maybe, but uh, well, then limi- when Murdoch's son took over, you know, yeah. we saw it take a different direction.
0: They also limit uh, the host capacity to talk about election fraud, which is my I promised my last question, and then, and then one quick question. Someone texted, and then a quick with the audience. But on the subject of election fraud, I assume you, or don't want words in your mouth. I think the election of 2020 was stolen, and I don't think it was legitimate. And so, but whether you do or don't think that, are we in a position? To protect ourselves from election fraud in 2022, or are you worried about a valid election in this fall? I'm and-
1: very concerned. Uh, but as as I travel around the state and country, you know, I'm pushing people. It's never been more important to have precinct chairs, have precinct observers, and people in every county should be pushing, even if they're in the minority in the county. Pushing to have cameras that observe where anybody can see, watch people counting the ballots.
0: What about paper Uh, ballots only, though?
1: I I think that's the way it ought to be. And Back in 2001, uh, you remember Republicans, what happens when you have weak Republicans, the Democrats talk them into going all electronic. Well, I was a district judge in Tyler. And when they came down with their dictatorial decree that uh, every county had a a unfunded mandate to buy electronic equipment, and it was gonna be all electronic balloting, I said to the other judges in Smith County, what Congress has just done is said, we're gonna start giving the elections to the best hackers back in 2001 I said this is so wrong and but you know they did I I thought it should have been successfully challengeable for them to have an unfunded mandate and interfere to say you've got to use electronic uh, uh, voting but that's how we got where we are they took that vote in Florida where I don't know if y'all had seen, but afterwards uh, they had a, a survey of fifth grade fifth graders in the county who had no trouble at all with their butterfly ballot. So apparently we had voters who were not quite up to the standard of fifth grade, but uh, but they allowed that to change the way we voted yep. and make it less safe. So no, it ought to be. In fact. The uh, the Texas Constitution appears to indicate we should have paper ballots.
0: Oh, that's a good thing yeah. to know. I didn't know that. Well, I, to me, the things you push for, the concern about America's future, pushing for paper ballots only. and, and Because if you can't solve election fraud, that nothing is else the key. matters.
1: That is the key. Yep. We're the, it's the only way we're going to get it back. We're not going to get America back by violence. It's by making sure we have free and fair elections and so all of that distress that people feel has got to be converted into working the precincts being judges being you have got to watch in some capacity or another Uh, if i'd been ag we would have uh, an ag a deputy ag in every county with pleadings ready to go file upon any cheating being reported and get that injunction and stop it right then in the county. Yeah. That's not criminal. It's a civil action.
0: I love that, and I think it's very important. Okay, So the question someone sent in, and um, there was a, an RNC Pride Inclusion announcement created. I'm not sure who exactly was behind it, but I believe it was um, the head that RNC had, um, Ronald McDaniel. RNC Pride Inclusion announcement in 2021, November 2021, that the GOP is going to do a big embrace um, on pride. What are, you know? with respect to LGBTQ agenda. So what's your view on that? Should the party take a strong position against that? Should the party fight it? Is this not worth the fight?
1: I don't think the party ought to be uh, (laughs) supporting the LGBTQ community. It is weakening uh, getting back to basics. Um, And I go back, you know, he created them male and female. (laughs) A man shall leave his father and mother, and woman leave her home. And I know uh, that BLM had, they took it off their website, but one of their goals was the destruction of the Western-style marriage. And I'm going, it's not Western-style. It came from Moses, who got <laughs> right, it from right. God, and then Jesus quoted him verbatim: "A man shall leave his father and mother, woman leave her home, and the two will become one flesh." And then Jesus added, and what God joined together, and let nobody separate. But anyway, uh, that's not Western. That's not our hemisphere. Yeah. That came from the Middle East, the beginning of things.
0: Yeah, amen to that. Okay, so we have a little time for questions. Uh, I think the microphone's down here at this end. And uh, obviously, if you can keep your question relatively short. Don't mimic me, don't make a long question like I do. Make a short question.
1: And, and be gentle. <laughs> Yeah. Well, constitutionally, legally, once some, some an alien sets foot in Texas or in the U.S., anywhere, they're now considered an immigrant, and we have to determine if they're legally or illegally here. Um, and the Supreme Court, I think they were wrong, uh, but said... State and local law enforcement cannot enforce immigration laws. Well, they've always helped enforce immigration law. That's, um, but nonetheless, we follow what the Supreme Court said. Um, We don't have a lot of choices once people are here. But that is an invasion. You know, a million, two million in a year. And it may we may have five million by the end of the year. I mean, it's this is nuts, especially with all the gotaways. So uh, I appreciated Governor Abbott's efforts, uh, and he has certainly uh, gotten the attention of the D.C. mayor and the New York mayor, and I think that's very helpful.
0: In Chicago today.
1: In Chicago, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, you know, we've got millions in a year, hundreds of thousands pouring across. Uh, it's not enough of a dent. And if I were A.G., I would have done an opinion to hand to the governor to say the federal government is not fulfilling their promise under the Constitution to keep us free from invasion. And therefore, we, uh, we have the right to repel the invasion. Because if they never set foot in Texas, then they're not immigrants. And they have to come through a lawful port of entry. And I think we have every right to say, you're not coming in, we will repel by non-lethal means, but there's plenty of means non-lethal that will keep people from coming in. And I think we got a right to do that. And then let them challenge us in court. But, uh, uh, you know, the National Guard, I, I don't believe they would be helping the federal government when they're busy helping the state they live in repel the invasion. That's what I think Needs to ultimately be done because Biden is destroying this country by just leaving the border so wide open.
0: Okay, we have another question right there. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I want this one makes me really mad. Um, what is your viewpoint on the student loan forgiveness? What Biden has done with that? On the what?
0: Student loan.
1: Oh. Forgiveness. Well, <laughs> didn't think I'd be doing this, but um, uh, I'll quote. Uh, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Don't do that. She she said last uh, summer of 2021 and she's continued to say until very recently the president cannot forgive debt. Uh, he can postpone it but he cannot forgive it. It requires Congress if that were to happen. And You know, as somebody that's been concerned about fairness and due process, my mother was brilliant. And when I was little, I'd say, well, that's not fair. And mother would say, well, nothing's fair. You need to get used to it. (laughs) And she told me uh, after I became an adult, it used to frustrate her because I would say, But Mother, we can work on our little part of the world to make it fair. And if enough people work together to do, anyway, because she was a brilliant person and she, anyway. But I still feel that way. We can work on our part to make it fair. And uh, where you have a president that just disobeys the law, disobeys his oath. And frankly, it might be impossible to ever convict him of any crime. Uh, because you have to have mental acuity sufficient <laughs> to know what you're doing. Uh, and I'm not sure you could prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. But <laughs>
0: Do you think anything will happen to Hunter
1: ever? Uh, well, there's enough smoke there. There may be a little fire of uh, enforcement breakout. Uh, because it is so egregious what they did in the last election. Between the media and, of course, the FBI apparently notified them that uh, we're going to have some disinformation coming from Russia, and they were still using the Russian lie. Uh, You know, gee, it's just incredible. But, uh, yes, it gets me, too, and he had no power to do that. And I, I mean, I grew up in Mount Pleasant. You know, 100 miles down I 30. And, um, you know, most people didn't go to college. They couldn't afford it. And to tell those people that have been working since they were 18 that you are going to have to pay taxes to pay for the people that could afford to go to college or got a loan to go to college, but they couldn't even afford to get the loan. There is nothing fair about that. And if you look historically, because this started bothering me, you know, when I first got there, I said, oh, we got to increase the amount of Pell Grant. That's not enough to cover things. We got to increase the authorized amount for student loans. And we do that, and the costs keep going up and up and up and up. And you'd never catch up you know it's just like we keep giving blank checks to major universities to charge more and more money. Um, so anyway I, I, of course I you know the liberals need higher salaries you know but uh, <laughs> at, at those institutions are learning where they're corrupting their children our we, children.
0: We've run a little past time although we start late and I do want to kind of wrap up with a really... Um, kind of a very open question, but in America, I will tell you that I've never, and I've been really politically active a long time and, and connected with a lot of candidates, elected officials, and I've never heard the level of concern about America's future, like whether we can hold on to the Constitutional Republic, whether we can restore the rule of law, whether we can restore kind of our, our civil society. And very, the, the attacks on America seem so broad. And so, I mean, it's to cultures. you started out talking about today, culture where uh, just the lack of, of rooting and truth, tethering in the scriptures, so you, so you have a sense of what truth and identity is and then the rule of law, and then the FBI is rogue and out of control, and very few judges seem to be reigning in the FBI. The judges are kind of going along with the FBI, mm-hmm. and those in Congress are. It's, I guess the big question is, how do you... I mean, I don't want to ever want to give up on America. I will never give mm-hmm. up on America being restored. But is it going to happen? Can America be restored?
1: I, I think it can, but the question of is it going to happen, that depends on us. Um, but we have so many judges... Who are part of the problem and you know on the uh, the judge that signed the warrant I mean he's a magistrate he wasn't a full district judge and he recused himself from a case involving Hillary Clinton so apparently he loves her Uh, well that should have been enough to recuse himself on Donald Trump except that he probably hates him enough it sounds like so that uh, he didn't want to recuse himself on that but another thing that's got to happen, and I didn't get to this earlier, is we have got to start calling in judges, not just DOJ, FBI, in before the Judiciary Committee. And I would love a chance to grill the judge that granted that warrant because yes. uh, the Fourth Amendment makes clear you must specify, with partic- particularly specify the places to be searched, they said, well, just all over the home uh, and uh, the things to be seized. Well, we think he's got some classified stuff, even though he declassified everything. So we just want to generally go out Heart and blanched. fish and see what we can find. Those judges need to be subpoenaed and called before the Judiciary Committee and held account for their disregarding of the Constitution. And they... and. Yeah, it's hard to impeach judges. We did two uh, my second term in Congress, but that's really tough you know, mm. to, to get them impeached. But you've got to try because only then where you bring judges up and they become embarrassed at their political activity as what was supposed to be a fair judge gets exposed and they're embarrassed in front of their colleagues. We've got to do that stuff. That will help make a difference. But in the meantime, we have got to use every institution where our disputes can be resolved civilly. And that also includes the ballot box. That also includes everybody working to make sure this is a free and fair election. Uh, And that's why I can't be quiet come January. But we're moving very quickly to a point where Just as in 1984, um, people are persecuted and prosecuted and taken. Y'all remember who enforced the ministry of truth? Ministry of love. They're the ones that knocked down your door, drug you out to the basement, and tortured you till you agreed 2 plus 2 is 5. Not just agreed, but really believed it, uh, if you recall. So... Those are the days we're moving toward. But I would also come back, I I saw at the uh, State Department, it appeared to be original copy of the Treaty of Paris, 1783. And I I was shocked because I'd never seen the actual copy. Now that's what uh, was negotiated with England in Paris to get them to sign swearing that they recognized the United States as an independent country. Mm -hmm. The first words were huge and the rest are all about the same size script. Uh, Those words, it starts, the, the document that says we're a free and independent country and the most powerful country in the world has to leave us alone. It starts in the name of the most holy an undivided Trinity. That's gave, that gave us our start. Mm-hmm. But if you put yourself in their place, what can we say that will be so powerful that the British will be afraid to break their oath? Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in God, then so help you God, you're not worried about your lying when you take an oath. And people have got to learn the importance of the founders saying, in the name of the most holy and undivided trinity.
0: Louis Gomert, you are, as always, just full of... Historical stories, uh, great insights about different people in Washington, and great insights about America. I mean, I'm very glad to hear, even though you won't be in Congress, which many people are lamenting, you are going to keep being a voice in America. Because yeah. people people rely on people like you who are outspoken and articulate. And I mean, the, there's so much tension in America today. And much of the what occurred in January sixth was just justified outrage. But it wasn't really effective in many cases. To make the points that need to be made. But you are careful in what you say, thoughtful, thorough, and I'm just, and, and, and but outspoken, and I'm so grateful for that. America has benefited mm-hmm. from your time in Congress, and I look Can forward I, to. Um, I know
1: this would get edited out, of guess, but I just saw a great story last night. A um, little boy was going through his grandmother's big family Bible, and the pages were very delicate, and as he was going through, he picked it up, and a leaf, a big leaf, fell out from between the pages. It had been put in there to press it flat. And his, he picked it up, and his mother said, well, what do you got there? He said, I think Grandma has Adam's underwear.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, I thought that was funny.
0: All right. And on that note, and Congressman go, Gover- thank you so much for joining me today. Just great to see you. Great to see you.
1: <laughs> thank thank, you, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: And thank you folks for tuning in to America Can We Talk, one of our very special Thursday shows. Next week, we have a wonderful author Mark Marano, who writes uh, with authority and information about the non-crisis of climate change, the facts surrounding fossil fuels, <laughs> the facts we don't have to be worried about climate change and should, in fact, use more fossil fuels. So he is a, uh, a great guy to come and talk with us about, uh, to respond to the climate change agenda. I want to thank everyone for listening to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
1: America, can we talk truth about America? Can you